Good morning. Thank God for that extra hour of sleep last night, hey? You guys can talk back to me. Yes. Please talk back to me. Yeah. Um, I just want to say what an honor. It's just, I can't tell you what an honor it is to, hey, there's my hostesses, Charlene and, and Beverly, good morning. What an honor it is to um, be here, um, to be a part of this house, be a part of this family. Um, and I never take it lightly, two things. I never take it lightly when, when I'm invited to speak to a group of people because they're God's people. You belong to Jesus. You're his people. And so I, I, don't, ever want, I don't forget that. And he loves you. And, uh, and he's, he's our shepherd. And I never take it um, for granted. And it's an honor when a leader of a house invites me to speak to, to his people. And I appreciate that, Pastor Hinkle trusting me with, with your people and with your kids, which are the most important part of any church. The favorite part of church, I don't understand why the, everybody doesn't want to be in children's church, just to be honest with you. It's my favorite place to be in the world. It's so fun. There's just nothing like kids, man. I just, I'd rather be there than anywhere. I'd rather be with them. Um, just to kind of introduce myself a little bit to you, um, I don't know how much I should share, but um, I've been um, saved forever since Noah came over, <laughs> you know, built the ark. Um, I graduated from Rama. I also have a doctorate from Christian Life School of Theology, which just means I took a lot of classes and passed a lot of tests. And um, I have been ministering to kids for 35, 36 years, off and on for the first 10 years or so, because that's how long it took the Lord to um, get through to me that that's what he wanted me to do. You know, I, it's, I did it for a while until somebody else came along and, and did it for a while until somebody else, you know, I just did it to help is what I thought. And, and it took a, it was a process for the Lord to say, no, this isn't more than just something to help. I've put this in you. And when I embraced that, that that was my main, my main, um, call, um, I just, I've just loved it. I mean, I just, it's, it's nice when you find what you love and love, lo, lo, do what you love and love what you do. When you embrace, even though my flesh at first kind of resisted it, I didn't want to do that. I had all these big dreams of saving the world. You know, people who graduate from Bible school, we have this dream, you know, we're going to go save the world, you know. We're <laughs> not the truth, Pastor. I mean, we're going to, you know, have this like Billy Graham and Oral Roberts and whoever impact on the world, you know, and and so when you finally embrace your peace, the part that Jesus has given you, there's nothing like that, nothing like that. No place of freedom, no place of fun, no place of rest found, like when you just embrace whatever it is the Lord has for you. So when I embraced that, it took him about 10 years to get that through to me. And now I love, I mean, I love it. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else but with the kids. Absolutely love it. It's where I'd rather be. And then about, and I always had a thing in my heart all my life, even before as a young girl, I grew up um, in a Catholic household and you know we always heard about missionaries and nuns going on going all over the world and I always had something in me about missionary but as life happened and years went on it would just kind of fade away you know into, into just life and um, one day and um, it was 10 no 2010 I was sitting with some youth at a conference and just to make a long story short the Lord told me out of the blue I wasn't even thinking about it he said it's time to go and I knew what he meant. It's like all those things inside of me from when I was a child, all of a sudden he breathed on them. And, and I knew what he meant. And so um, to make, I travel, what I do is I travel back and forth to Africa. Um, I, I've lived in, I lived in South Africa for 2000, 
2014. I lived there almost a full year, and now I travel back and forth into uh, minister to children. And my vision is this. Most African ch churches have no concept of children's ministry. Never even heard of it. The kids play outside until they're 18 years old. I can't tell you the number of African pastors who've told me, um, we, we, you know, we don't even pay attention to them until they're 18. Several of them have told me that. And so the whole idea of children's ministry, training them young, is, is a new concept for most of them. And so, but they're very quick because... The Holy Spirit is breathing on that, though. It's not just the reason that it's working is because God's saying it's time to do something about it, and the Holy Ghost is breathing. And so every, if I go, I have a threefold mission when I go to Africa. Number one is to impart revelation, teach what the scriptures teach about teaching children. And the pastors are getting it. I mean, they're, they're hungry for it once they get it, and they're like, wow, light bulbs come on. The second thing I do is train children's workers to how to, to um, help the children understand the Bible and how to pray for them and how to lead them into the presence of the Lord. And so I train children's workers, and I've done that here in the States too. And then number three, as I minister to kids. So I travel back and forth to Africa. I just got back from a trip to South Africa. I was over there for three weeks, and um, that trip opened some doors. Um, I went to Uganda in June, too. And so right now on my plate for 2017, uh, very probably and most likely a trip to another trip to Uganda and a trip to Rwanda, probably. That's kind of, that's very, you know, kind of in seed form. And possibly not may, maybe next year, but in the future, not too far future, um, doors to Zambia look like they may be opening, too. So I've been mainly in South Africa, um, and Uganda, but other doors, I'm believing for other doors, I feel like the Lord wants to, to get this out. So, you know, the need is so great. There's, you know, what I try to do is gather, the pastors will gather workers from villages and cities in an area, and so I can do a workshop, and that they can go out and go and, and minister and go to the villages, because there's, you know, thousands and thousands of villages. But the, the greatest report, one of the best reports I ever received when I was in Uganda last year and did a workshop, three or four day workshop, and there's maybe 30 or 40 children's workers from all over Uganda. The next morning, after the workshop, the following morning, the pastor who hosted it got a, got a phone call from another pastor that had sent some people to the workshop. He said, my workers came back very excited and immediately began making plans to go out to the villages to start ministering to kids. And that's my goal. That's my goal. And so I, know, I do know there are churches now that have children's ministry that never had them before, before I started traveling. So, you know, I'm like a drop in the bucket compared to the need, you know, but you ever heard that story? I love, one of my favorite stories is when a young boy, he's about five, he's walking on a beach and there's thousands of um, sand, um, what are those called, sand out there? Yeah, they're, they're dying on the sand. And he's picking them up one at a time to throw them back into the ocean. You know that story, huh? And this, and this elderly man, his grandfather says, look at all of these here. You're not going to be able to do any good by this, these few. It's, you know, it's not going to matter. You can't make a difference by just these few that you're throwing into the ocean. And he picked up another one and he threw it into the ocean. And he said, well, it mattered to that one. So that's my whole concept. You know, I'm going to do what I can do. So anyway, that's, that's what I do. So... Um, I do feel like the Lord's given me a word for this morning. Um, I was thinking during praise and worship, two things kind of came to me. Um, several things, actually. I was, you know, when the Spirit of the Lord starts to go, the gift inside of you starts to speak. But um, one of them, I, I remember this illustration. You know when, when, I was, when we're kids and you're out playing in a field or something, and you, there's a big rock, and for some reason you move that rock, and when you move a rock or a stone, what's been hiding in the dark are all these bugs, 
and they start to scurry out everywhere, and you had no idea. You know, I can remember as a girl, I'd pick up a stone, and all these bugs would start going out, drop that thing, you know, and run away. Well, sometimes when God is building his church, often when Jesus is building his church, he's got to realign, shift, move things around. Sometimes you have to pick up a stone. You have to move something out of the way. And guess what happens? Come on. Guess what happens? Things start scurrying around, don't they? Not just in a corporate church, but in our own lives. I've had lots of times when the Lord's had to expose something, move something, adjust something, and things come out of the dark that we didn't even know was there. And how many of y'all have seen that video? There's a video that's popular on YouTube right now where this wife is sitting on the couch with her husband, and she just wants to, she's, she's troubled, and she's got this pain in her head, and she doesn't know why she's got this pain in her head, and she just is so tired of it, and all she wants to do is for her husband to listen. She doesn't want any advice. She doesn't want any counsel. She just wants him to listen. But the thing is, she's got this big nail sticking out of her forehead. Y'all seen that video? She's got a nail right there in her forehead. So she's saying, honey, I've got this pain in my head, and I just want you to listen to me. And he says, well, but if you, no, no, I don't want you to tell me what I need to hear. I don't want you to tell me what to do. Just listen to me. This pain. And he goes, okay. And she goes, it's just throbbing in my forehead, and it never goes away. And he goes, but but, but, but no, no, honey, I don't want you to tell me what's the matter. And it's that whole video of she's got a nail in her head, but she doesn't want her, anybody to tell her what the problem is. She just wants to talk, just wants to express, doesn't want to listen. Well, I don't know about y'all, but I'm that way a lot. You know, I go to Jesus, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so he, Holy Ghost wants to come along and Maybe go, well, maybe it's, no, 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 I just want to cry. I just want to talk. I just want to express. So, you know, every now and then we need the Jesus to come along and just touch something, just adjust something, just remind us of something. Is that okay? Is that okay? Um, and, and, and then, and, and so now that was just like my first introduction. <laughs> this is my second introduction. This is what came, that I felt like the Lord was saying during worship. Um, when, uh, you know, God desires what he looks for, what he's always looked for from the beginning of time, he's looked for somebody on this earth he can dwell in. That's what he wants. He wants people he can dwell in, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in us, but he's always been wanted somebody to live in. He, he, first he had Adam and Eve, and of course they sinned. And then when Moses and the, and the children of Israel came along, he had Moses build the tabernacle so that his presence could come down and dwell in the tabernacle. Well, even at the very beginning, going back to Adam and Eve, when he formed Adam from the dust of the ground, he knew he was forming a body that one day his son would inhabit. He was forming a body so that God could live in it. Even today, he formed a body that God, and he's very particular about how he made that body. And then when he, gave, he had Moses build a tabernacle so he could dwell on the earth, he was very particular about how Moses was to build that tabernacle. He gave him very detailed, precise, exact directions and instructions because he was following, we read in Hebrews, he was following a pattern that's in heaven. He says it's got to look on earth as it is in heaven. Where do we hear that? The Lord's, the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, 
thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he's very particular about how Moses built that tabernacle. And then when, then when they, they settled in the land of Israel and it was time to build the temple that he could now dwell and move from the tabernacle that was moving all over the desert into the temple, same thing. He gave David very precise directions and instructions on how to build that temple, gave David the blueprint, and David passed it on to Solomon who actually did the building. But, but God was very precise. We need this color. It needs to be this big. The altar needs to look like this. The columns need to be this. The walls need to be built with this. The priests need to wear this. The, he was precise and detailed. He knew what it needed to look like. Well, he's building his, his dwelling place today in me individually and in a church corporately. And he is still very particular on what it's supposed to look like and how it's to be built. He still knows what it takes to, for, to build a dwelling place for God to live in. And the thing that we, you and I don't have is the liberty to have our opinions and our judgments and our what we like and what we don't like. What we need to do is be able for the Lord to move a rock around when he needs to move a rock and the bugs to come out or if we've got a nail in our head for him to be able to take the nail out so that he can dwell in us in fullness. And then we can have the benefits, the benefits, the benefits of God's dwelling presence in us. Can you even imagine? You know what that is? It's a little bit of heaven inside of us is what God's after. We bring heaven down. We bring his presence down. That's what he's after. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he's after. But for that to happen, he's got to be able to build us according to what his pattern is and what the church is supposed to look like, both individually and corporately. Now, when I say corporately, I mean New Covenant Church as, as, the, as the church, and I mean corporately as the body of Christ because we're part of the big church. New Covenant Church is not the church. This building is not the church. You understand what I'm saying? You and I are the church. When we gather together, we are the church. We are the church. So he's particular about that. So one thing that I felt like what was on my heart to talk about this morning is sometimes when you're building something, you know, when you start, when you're off like, I'm not a, any construction worker, but I do know this principle. When you're starting off building something and you've got to have your corners exact, because if they're, if they're not exact, even though at the very beginning, they may just be off just a little bit, but if, that's, if you keep building and it's off, okay, tell me if this is right, you're not going to have a perfect square, are you? And the farther out you get, the more evident that the error is. So right there at the very foundation, at the very beginning, you've got to have things in place. That's a principle that's true across the board in many, 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 many areas. For instance, math. The calculus experts and the trigonometry and all these great math experts all go back to start with 1 plus 1 equals 2. And if they ever get away from 1 plus 1 equals 2, all these other formulas won't work. So every now and then, I feel like for myself, and I feel like it's just good for everybody, that every now and then we go back to some foundations and go back to some basics and make sure we're lined up right. 
make sure we remember some things correctly. So I feel like one thing today that the Lord wants me to, to, us to go back to, to remember, to revisit, is one of the things about remembering who we are, and it's this simple principle, that we are threefold being, spirit, soul, and body. I'm going to read now. I'm going to do this for time. Most of the scriptures I have, I have written out in my, on my pad. And so I'm not going to ask everybody to turn to them because it's, it'll take, just be quicker if I just read them. So I'm just going to go through, this, go through these notes. Um, when, Adam, when God formed Adam and Eve, it says this in Genesis 2-7, Then the Lord formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So we see right there three threefold. He formed man from the dust of the ground. There's our flesh. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. There's spirit. And man became a living soul. There's our soul. Threefold right there. First um, Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be made blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's the thing. When God breathed into his breath of life, into Adam, that's where life came from, was that breath, was in the spirit. Yes. Now he told Adam, and Eve, you can eat of any fruit of the garden, he told Adam actually, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When you eat of that tree, that day you're going to die. Well, our definition of death is physical death. But that's not God's definition of death. Because we know the story, Adam ate that fruit, but his body didn't die. But the breath of life, the Spirit of God, was separated from him. He was no longer united in the Spirit with God. He died. It was a spirit disconnection. The life of God was no longer in him. Up to that point, Adam had primarily been, because God has created him to be this way, a spirit being that lived in a body. He didn't become aware of his body until the spirit left him. That's when he noticed, I'm naked. I've got no clothes. He wasn't even aware of it because he lived in the realm of the spirit. That's when he experienced, that's when his soul began to get magnified. He became afraid. He was ashamed. He didn't have any of that because he lived primarily in the place of the spirit. But when that spirit left him, he became dominated by the soul, what we want, what we think, what we feel. He made decisions based on that. He hid because he was afraid, all from the place of the soul. Now, 1 Corinthians 6.17 says this, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Now, the challenge is God wants to bring us back to that place of primarily being led by the spirit and the flesh and the soul coming under the dominance of the spirit. And that's especially challenging for the area of our souls because we've been so used to the soul ruling us. What we think, what we feel, what we like, what we don't like, what we want, what we don't want. And for that to now come under the influence of the spirit. And I'm going to, let me just, let me just, before I get ahead of myself, I'm going to just read John chapter 3. These are familiar scriptures to you, but just to see it in a little bit of a different light. Back to foundations and, ba and basics. This is about Nicodemus. 
starting with verse 1. Now there is a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, you know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water, that's the physical birth, that's speaking of the womb, the water in the womb, you got to be born physically first, born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh and flesh, and that which is born of the spirit of spirit, do not marvel that I said unto you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So we can see there that God says, if you're going to become a part of the kingdom of God, you've got to be born of the Spirit. Now, we've got this na-na-na-na thing where spiritual things are concerned. You know, it's like you've, a lot of times you kind of have this thing, and that's, that's weird and out there and for the super, you know. But that's wrong. As believers, we are primarily spirit beings. And that's not weird. That's how God created us. That's what God wants. That's who we are. The spirit realm is much more real than this natural realm. These chairs are going to one day just fall apart and crumble back to dust. This building... Our body, if Jesus tarries. But in the things of the Spirit are eternal. They're forever. Jesus said when he stood before Pontius Pilate, and he said, if you're a king, why don't you call, you know, if you say you're a king, where are you, why don't you get some help? And Jesus said, my kingdom's not of this world. But that's the kingdom we belong to. I was praying yesterday about preaching this morning and, um, and, and, um, and everything, and I heard the scripture so clear about um, Ephesians, the Mark chapter 4 about the parable of the sower and the seed. When Jesus sowed the word, or the, the farmer went out to sow the word, and what happened to the, to, the, to the seed that he sowed? One of the things I felt like the Holy Ghost I really heard was the seed fell among um, thistles. It fell on gr good ground, but then the thistles grew up. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust for other things choked the word. That choke is how you can't just suffocate it, and you just kind of squeeze the life out of it and completely disappears. And I think as the American culture, where the church has been basically, has been right there. The cares of the world have consumed us. That's what we spend most of our time thinking about, focusing on. Right? Me too. Deceitfulness of riches, lust for other things. And we believe, God, that we can get these riches. We, you know, we use our faith for those things. And, it's, and we've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten why we're here. We've forgotten that we belong to another kingdom, that we've got another king that we're spirit beings. And that's not weird. And, that our, and our job is to manifest the presence of God 
and be a light to the world and be salt to the earth. Look at our own nation. What a mess we're in. That didn't happen overnight. Somebody's forgot how to be salt. Somebody's forgot how to be light. Dear Lord Almighty, I don't know about your Facebook feed, but during this election season, from both sides of the political aisle and from Christians and non-Christians, how unkind, how dishonoring, how angry are, are the posts concerning this election. I quit, I quit following almost everybody on my Facebook page. If they had a, the election post, I quit following them, you know, but, and I'll, I'll follow them. But, but um, we have forgotten who we are. We've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten the kingdom we belong in, and that's how we're supposed to live every day. And what Jesus is after is for us to remember that we do, you know, it says in, in uh, Romans chapter 8 that those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now that word sons, there's different words when you study out the, you know, the, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. And so when it was translated into English, sometimes the English translators might have used the same word for different Greek words. One of those words you see a lot of the same as children or sons. They might use the word children, but it might be a different, there's actually three or four different Greek words that, that, that are indicators of, of natural progression. For instance, the child in the womb of Mary and of Elizabeth, that word child, that's one word, it's brephos, that's called an infant. That's that word, it's called an infant. There's another word when it talks in Galatians about being under teachers, that's, about, that's talking about students, first through sixth grades. But this one, being sons of God, means mature. You're mature when you're led by the Spirit of God. You're mature. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. It's a sign of maturity. So I guess, you know, I don't want to go, I don't want to go into too, too deep, don't go into too much, but I think what I mainly wanted to do is for us to remember who we are. For us to remember where, we, where, where our life needs to come from. There's lots more, we could, lots more in my notes, lots more I could say. But for seed, for just the start, um, I just, I don't want to go much farther than this. Is that all right? I don't want to go much farther than this. I do want to say this. I want to close with this. Um, John chapter 4. And it's all about the woman at the, woman at the well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this real quick. And Jesus had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank for him himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Let me say this first. Number one, Jesus is breaking all kinds of social mores right here. Number one, he's speaking to a Samaritan. 
Jews and Samaritans had nothing to do with each other. Number two, he's speaking to a woman. Men never spoke to women in public. It was a taboo. He is breaking social mores. And not only that, but as we read through this, when she says, he says this, here's here's what I really want to see. The river that I give him, she says, I don't want to be thirsty. And then he says this. She says, give me this water so I'm not thirsty anymore. I don't want to come here anymore to draw water. He says this. Out of the blue, he seems to change the subject. He says, go get your husband. Where did that come from? They're talking about drinking. Because Jesus knows this woman is thirsty. And she's been trying to fill her thirst in all the wrong places. And he's trying to get her to see this. He says, go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right about that. You've had five. And now the one you're with isn't your husband. She's an adulterer. She's all these other names. You know what what she is. And not only is she a Samaritan and a woman, she's that, that woman. And he's having a public discourse with her. He sees something in her. He knows what has been motivating in her and driving her. She's been looking for something. She's been looking for something to meet a need inside of her. She's gone to this man and to this man and to this man, and it's not getting met, and she keeps trying. And Jesus is telling her, I'm going to tell you where your, your need can be met. You know, I heard Mike Bickle once say that scratching your soul won't fix, fix that itch in your spirit. Scratching your soul won't fix that. And she's, she's scratching her flesh and her soul. So she says, the one you know is not your husband. And now here's this woman's question. You know, it just seems so odd. She says, okay, but where are we supposed to worship? Her first question and heart's hunger is about worship. She's trying to meet something inside of her. And her first question when she realizes this isn't an ordinary man, she says, I see you're a prophet. You guys say you're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. We worship here. What's the proper way to worship? Where's the proper place to worship? And Jesus says, God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's not this song. It's not this form. It's not this style. It's in the spirit and in truth. Nothing wrong with all of that. I like my own, I like my style too. But it should be leading me into the spirit. Leading me. And as I grow and mature, I need less and less of those styles to enter into that place in the spirit. I think the biggest challenge of the church is to discern between our souls and our spirit because the spirit will touch our souls. It will impact our souls. We will feel something. We will think something. But where we blow it is when our souls get touched, we enter into the place of the soul and let it dominate us again. Somebody say, yeah. (laughs) Been there, done that. Instead of staying in the place of the spirit. Understand that? It touches our soul. Sure, it's very closely intermittent. We feel it. I love to feel it. But then if I let that feeling become the dominant thing that I begin to follow, I've just stepped out of the spirit. And I've missed the life that comes from that place of the spirit. The life of God is in the spirit. And that life means the quality of life that God has. 
That's that word life. That's what that word life is, zoe, the quality of life that God has. I don't know about you, but I want the quality of life that God has in every area of my life. Well, there's only one place that can be found. I have got to be led by the Spirit. And every time something comes against me, I get frustrated, I get angry, I get bitter, I get upset, I get this, that, and everything goes wrong. People treat me wrong. People, are I, Am I going to respond out of the flesh and out of the soul? And if I do, if you, if you sow to the flesh, guess what? going to reap that. So to the, this says in Hosea, you sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind. Or am I going to refine my answer in the spirit and be that person God called me to be? And, and I won't go into it, but in James chapter 4, when it talks about God gives grace to the humble, if you read that in context, he is speaking specifically about the difference between being of the world and acting like the world and being, and letting your flesh see lusts of your flesh rule over you or humbling yourself and getting the grace of God to respond in the spirit and be salt and be light. It's why we've been so ineffective as a church. We've been friends with the world. That word friends means be like-minded. Think like. That's what that word friends like. We think like the world. We respond like the world. Look at our Facebook pages. <laughs> we respond like the world. We're friends of the world. We think like them. We get angry. We want our rights. We want our opinions. And I know I'm biting off and trying to bite off an elephant today. <laughs> I can, there's like 10 messages here. But mainly I wanted to get this whole thing. It's just a seed form of we are people, first and primarily, spirit beings. And God is the spirit. And our answers are in the spirit. And we need to be led by the spirit. And we need to drink from the fountain of the river of life that's in the spirit. We need to find that. And it's not hard to find because we were made for it. It's not, you don't have to be super spiritual. You don't have to be super, we were created to do that. As soon as you got born again, it's not hard to do. Just ask, ask, ask the Lord. Release your faith, humble yourself, and God will help you. That's all I want to say for now. Do you want to close? Do you want to pray and close? How about now? Why don't we stand one more time? You know, as she was talking, I was thinking, you know, we're, I don't know what it is about this season, what it is about uh, sometimes the environment, but it seems like we start conditioning ourselves. We get into this mode of just kind of laid back at the end of the year and Thanksgiving's coming and Christmas is coming. And the marketing aspect of it knows how to scratch that soul that she was talking about. Scratch it with uh, Christmas is coming up, Thanksgiving's coming up, all these things, and they start. So he tries to push you and then pull you and push you and then pull you and push you and then pull you to where you're a frantic mess because you're worried about Christmas and didn't even hear yet. And I'm everybody knows you got to start thinking about Christmas. Do you see what I'm talking about? And he gets us caught up in this emotional, soulish realm. And so she said at the beginning, when God created Adam, he created him uh, just like he said. We, he formed Adam, breathed life into him. And he said he would be flesh of my soul. Of my, he created him and made him. He said, let us make man in, my, in our image. 
And then she said that when we entertained, when we stepped out of that realm and we began to listen to the distractions of the enemy, we began to notice that they was naked. And now you begin to respond to all these things in our life based off of natural circumstances, natural emotions, soulishly. And she was talking, she said that, and the Spirit of the Lord said to me, what do you spend the majority of your time thinking about? If you spend the majority of your time thinking about the natural realm, you will befriend and believe in the natural realm. We're ambassadors. We're aliens in this world. And our minds and our spirits should be intertwined with the things of the Spirit to where we it doesn't matter what happens in the natural realm. We're so in tune with the Spirit. But how do you get there? You cannot get there overnight. You, nobody can't lay hands on somebody and just impart the mind of Christ to them. It takes a consistent dose of the Word of God. It, ca- it takes a consistent dose of being in relationship with people. It takes a consistent dose of just influencing yourself and changing the way. The word repent means, means to change the way you think. And the only way that we can change the way we think is to get our minds renewed to the Word of God. I am a spirit. I have a soul, and I live in a body. But this body is not to to dictate to you and I what we're supposed to do. Our spirits are. And the only way that we are going to be more familiar and more uh, uh, accustomed to being led by the Spirit is when we begin to adjust ourselves and live out of the Spirit. The spirit that lives within us, and when we live in our, out of our spirit, will take the things of the natural and cast it down and bring the things of the spirit to the forefront. When somebody looks at you wrong, the things of the spirit will take that and will cast it down and bring it under the subjection of the word of God. But the only way we get there is to understand and to begin to live out of that realm. Hallelujah. Tuesday's a big day. It's always a big day when we vote for a new president, our new leaders. But Tuesday, listen, I, I've been following politics for years. When I, when I was in college, I was going to major in political science. I wanted to go to Washington. I wanted to, I wanted to serve. I wanted to do that, and the Lord had different plans. Tuesday's a big day, and I'm telling you that in, in, the, in the 40 years that I've been around, I've never seen a political climate. I've never seen the, the craziest stuff happening as I have seen in this, in this election process. But our hope and our trust is not in who we elect on Tuesday. No matter who you vote for. I want to pray over us, and I want to pray for Tuesday, but I want to pray differently. I don't want to pray against or for someone. I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you, and I feel like the Spirit of the Lord wants to encourage you to not put your trust in the words of man that say what they're going to do, what he or she says they're going to do, but put your trust in the everlasting God who always makes a way when there seems to be no way. Can I do that? And then afterwards, for those of you that signed up for 
the what's next class. They'll be meeting. The the session will be meeting. Yeah. Um, right now. How many of you signed up for it and you, you're going to be here afterwards? Raise your hand. Okay. All right, good deal. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these, your sheep. And Lord, I just declare over them right now in the name of Jesus that you protect us and guard us. No, 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 no. I thank you that you are protecting us and that you are guarding us. And you said that he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, he who sets his mind, he who meditates, he who declares that he is under the shadow of the Almighty, we do that this week. We set our minds on the things of the Spirit. We're not going to be distracted by the things in the world. We're not going to be distracted by what may or may not happen on Tuesday. We set our mind on you. And we say in the name of Jesus that this is our country. And because we are here, we are salt and light. And we declare that we will be the salt and the light. We will rise up and be the church that you've called us to be. And we come against the principalities and the spiritual wickedness in heavenly places that have come to destroy the fabric of our society and the fabric of our community and the fabric of our country. And we bind you in the name of Jesus. And we say that we stand in the authority of Jesus Christ. And that no weapon formed against the church shall prosper. And this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. We declare it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. Well, listen, you go. Be encouraged. Don't forget, Wednesday nights are connect groups. And we'll see you next week.